Corey Hybe, Chris Harrington, and Aaron Courtney, three broads, bringing you stories and strategies exploring manufacturing topics that challenge the status quo while laying the foundations for future success. Together with special guests, they'll celebrate what's working and unpack what is not so you can learn, grow, and succeed. You want to learn more about your hosts? Make sure to listen to episode one. So last episode, uh, Aaron, you brought up this fascinating video of mm-hmm. a dancer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Did you check um, it out? Did you take I, a look? You know, I it was on my to do list. <laughs> I was, I, I'm still really intrigued by it. Um, Chris, did you take Me a look? Me too. At it? I'm intrigued. I haven't seen him. <laughs> no, shame you know, on shake all of us. yet. I, I haven't. Oh, uh, you're missing. You know what? You got the the weekends coming up. You're gonna be sitting there on your YouTube, like what? And just Google it, Bollywood hunky male dancer. That's all you need to remember, <laughs> and you're gonna see something amazing. This I know, is amazing. Yeah. You know, I feel like it's a moment that you should gather the family around, and everybody should experience it together. It is. It is because then we could have a whole conversation about it afterwards. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's the assignment. And um, I think that everyone listening today will will do that as well. We're going to really up the uh, the SEO on that search. Funky, you know, Bollywood, Bollywood dancer. Everybody yeah. got that? OK, hey, that's, that's where we're going to get all our traffic from. That's be pretty impressive, actually. It <laughs> would be funny. All right, should we get started? We have an amazing guest today. Megan Ziamba is here with us. Hey, Megan. Hi, everyone. How are you? We are so excited to have you here. Yeah, I'm really excited to thank you. I already took a note in my mind to to look up (laughs) hunky male Hollywood dancers. (laughs) (laughs) Curious to know what that is. So I'm excited to, to do that. As soon as we get off this interview. <laughs> <laughs> great to meet you. Uh, That's great. We have a new well, theme. Let me introduce Megan to everybody. Um, you know, she is the host of Mavens of Manu- Manufacturing Podcast. Um, it's a podcast that celebrates women in manufacturing from the shop floor to the C-suite. Uh, she interviews some amazing guests, and I'm sure we're going to dive into some of those conversations she's had but really uh, an advocate for women in manufacturing and people of all ages uh, in manufacturing and attracting more workers to manufacturing. So I personally have been inspired by Megan's work. She is also uh, the owner and founder of Z Inc Solutions, which is a copywriting and copy editing service that provides impactful text and memorable storytelling for a variety of brands and industries. And hopefully when you tell us a little bit about yourself, Megan, um, you can describe uh, your your, uh, explanation on your Zinc website. This isn't your grandmother's copywriting service. I'm so curious. So uh, hi, Megan, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? We're so happy to have you here. Yeah, so I thank you again for inviting me onto your podcast. I'm really excited for the conversation. And anytime I get to share, you know, news about Mavens or Z Inc. even, I get really excited about because a lot of people know me through Mavens and not so much Z Inc., um, which is actually the first thing I started before Mavens. So I'm a technical writer by trade. I have a master's and bachelor's. I said that backwards, but that's okay. Uh, a bachelor's and master's degree in professional and technical writing. I am a UWM, which is the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee alum, uh, so go Panthers, and uh, had a really great teacher uh, starting off. So when I left high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do, and I have that typical story where my parents pressured me into going into college, and I always tested well with writing and storytelling. My English teacher, I was the favorite almost always in all of my English classes, 
Uh, my sister got the math gene. I got the word gene. So it's kind of funny to, to have us in a room together because she'll spout out numbers and I have no idea what she's talking about. And then she spells word wrongs and, and trying to fix her grammar. So it's, it's pretty hilarious. But um, when I got into college, I was spiraling kind of out of control. And then I ended up getting pregnant with my daughter and um, decided to move back to Wisconsin. And I found out about professional and technical writing and my teacher gave us a great assignment of how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And there was like 12 to 15 students within that class. And he went through each of our instruction lists and had 12 to 15 different end results, which was really interesting. It opened up my eyes about how mm. information is interpreted differently across different people and cultures and mm. uh, even countries. So, good. so when I graduated, uh, I started out in the trade publication industry and learned about engineering and manufacturing that way. And it was a lot of fun. I met a lot of different people, learned about their passions and why they were in the sector. And I tried to get out of it and go into higher education and do some marketing for higher education, but I got really bored out of my mind. So then I decided <laughs> to get, yeah. get back into engineering and manufacturing and worked for several companies within their marketing departments. Um, but even with that opportunity, like I had a lot of fun, but I really missed getting to know different people in different areas. And um, I loved going to trade shows because it gave me that opportunity to actually meet different people from different companies and learn their stories. And I tried to take what I learned from them and apply it to the companies that I worked for to get people really excited about some of their products and stuff. Because if you're in engineering manufacturing, not everything is really exciting. <laughs> Some of it's really oh. actually technical <laughs> and boring. So you got to find that, that, that hard string that you can yeah. uh, pull for people. Mm -hmm. um, so I talked to my husband and I was like, hey, do you care if I start my own freelance company? Because I feel like that's going to actually feed into everything that I love doing. I can work with different people. And at this time we are, so I have my 18 year old daughter and then we have two toddlers. And I was like, this way I can pick my hours and I can be home more for them and um, not have to leave. I can keep my office at home and be able to do that work-life balance that I've craved so much. And he's like, yeah, go for it. So I started Z-Ink Solutions. And um, I am not like, a, I don't want to say typical girl because I feel like I'm categorizing women in certain ways and I don't want to do that. But I have tattoos. I used to have a motorcycle. Um, I, I like doing like different things. So I like riding motorcycles, digging in dirt. Uh, I cuss like a sailor. Uh, my mom <laughs> is trying to still work on that with me. Like the F word is like one of my favorite words. To like, it's, it's pretty terrible. Well, it's you're a writer and the versatility of that word. You just yeah, appreciate right. it from a literary standpoint, I'm sure. Yeah. So, I mean, with how the market is changing and the some of the challenges that we're experiencing right now especially with workforce development and getting people into the sector you can't really do the same thing that we've done over the years like we have to change it up a bit and really attract the next generation and how do you do that you have to talk the way that they talk you have to act the way that they act and they're not all like they don't really delete any like profanity or anything from their language and I'm not saying like fill your marketing stuff with that but uh that's where I came up with this is not your grandmother's copywriting like I like to be able to share what my client's personality is through writing I don't want to take that out I want to be able to share who they are what they're thinking and that's where um I think my superpower is uh, a lot of people think writing just comes naturally and it, it really is a process if you want to do technical writing or any kind of copywriting or copy editing the right way you really need to develop a strong trusting relationship with the people that you're writing about and so it takes me a while to develop these trusting relationships and sometimes I don't get it right on the first try but that's okay because we're just getting to know each other it's like any other relationship that you have and I really want to show who those people are through the writing. So that's why I decided to have that tagline. It's not your grandmother's writing because it's 
it's not covering up any of their personality. It's letting that shine through. And um, I think that's one of the differences that I have that makes me unique from other technical writers or other copywriters and editors. I really take the time to build a friendship with my clients because I want to make sure that how they are as an individual comes through the, the text that I'm writing for them. So um, that's where that tagline came in. And the way that Z Inc is spelled, so Zimbo is my last name. Um, so that's where the Z is. And then Inc, I-N-K, I was doing a little wordplay. So instead of having I-N-C, I did Inc because you get pen you get yeah. ink from a pen. So that's, oh, that's, <laughs> that's where all that came Very from. Very cool. That's, Very yeah. cool. Um, Megan, you said, so I know that I'm supposed to wait for my question, but you said something that just, <laughs> I just, I got to get in there right now. There's no rules here, Erin. No okay. Rules. All right. Good, good, good. Cause, well, then there's no rules to break. And you know, I like that's to break fun. a good rule. So anyway, Megan, um, you were talking about the hearing, being able to bring the voice into your writing of the people that you're writing about and for. And I agree that's so compelling, especially today when content is just, it's so critical for business development, good content. And technical writing is historically thought of as like <laughs> snooze. So I think that's yeah. really exciting. I, I picked up in your content on something that really moves me. And that's your, your courage to be vulnerable. You're, you're transparent. You're honest about who you are. You've shared some things, some personal things that, um, that I've just found powerful. I'm also a mom and you've talked about being a mom and, um, about just what that means for you in your role. But I'm, I'm curious what, what that means for you and in, bringing your client's um, personal voice into uh, the work that you do and the writing that you do and your mission to bring diversity to manufacturing, how that human voice helps accomplish those goals. Um, can you tell us about vulnerability and diversity and how they support one another? Yeah, so when I was growing up, it was just really strange for me to see the distinctiveness in how my dad was at home versus how he was at work. Um, it seemed like there was two different people. And I can say that because I worked with him, um, which was very interesting opportunity. But in manufacturing and engineering, I kind of saw that with a lot of people, like they acted one way in front of certain people, but then when those people weren't around, they acted a different way. And I didn't know if that was necessarily helping them or hurting them. Um, I feel like humans are humans. We make mistakes, that's okay. Um, but if you really want people to develop a trusting relationship with you, you have to have that transparency. Because if you don't, then it comes across sort of insincere um, and un unauthentic. And um, that can really hurt your brand. So I've worked with companies um, Unfortunately, I've worked with companies where they updated their core values and they talked about how important these core values were because, oh, this is who we are as people. But then behind closed doors, uh, they said some things that were very hurtful and demeaning and not very supportive of some of their employees. And it was really sad to me that that happened. And I think that we have enough challenges going on in the sector. We need to stop that. Um, so I'm a huge advocate for calling that stuff out yeah. and educating people, not calling them out in a way where you're insulting them, because I don't think that adds to the conversation. Mm -hmm. And I don't think heated conversations help people learn. So I read this book called um, Crucial Conversations. And it, it's really a helpful book. If you haven't heard it, of Crucial it, Conversations. It. Crucial Conversations, okay. the author is escaping my head, but it's such okay. a great book because it really gives you some tips that you can use to diffuse a heated conversation. And okay. it helps you look outside of what your personal story is mm -hmm. and how your emotions connect with your story to really look at another person's personal experiences and how to like kind of adjust that conversation so it's not so heated. And I think that's important. Um, and, you know, I think it's just fun, too, to see the 
authenticity from people. Um, I love working with working moms. Um, I feel like we all have something in common when it comes to kids not listening to you or the gross things that they do or the destructive things that they that they do. And it helps you build a network for things that, you know, you might have felt alone on. Um, you actually have that connection and you can grow and move forward and you can actually, you know, talk to someone else about it. So with some of the guests that I've had, um, I've actually become really good friends with them, which is great. And it's funny because we talk about some of the ridiculous things our kids do. And there was a point in my life for a while where I was like, man, I'm the only person feeling this way. And this is really hard for me. I don't know if I'm making the right decision. And I don't know if I can keep going with this because I feel like I'm a bad mom. And then I have other moms who are like, no, that's completely normal. It's fine. Just keep going. You'll get over that moment and it will just make you stronger. So it's great to have, have that network. And I think you wouldn't have those opportunities if you stopped being who you truly are and kind of covered up who your authentic self is. Right. That is such a good point for, for moms, for all walks of life. You just have a more powerful and meaningful experience when you can connect with the real human and not just the idea of what you're supposed to be. I really appreciate yeah. how you shared that about your dad. And, and yeah, I think it gives people an opportunity too. so like with work life, you know, everybody's on a deadline and like, you have to get this done. And if it doesn't get done, it's the end of the world. And things come up in life that you can't control. Like, if my kid gets hurt because he thought jumping off a table was a great idea, you know, it's going to take some time for me to like pick him up, bring him to the hospital if he needs stitches, or if he's sick with the flu or something, or if my daughter, you know, uh, she got into a car accident, I had to drop everything to go get her. And I don't have time to message people. I don't have time to explain. I can only explain it after I know everything's okay with her. So I think allowing people to be humans gives them that flexibility that they need to balance that work-life balance out. Like if, if something doesn't get done tomorrow, I know in some instances it, it, it needs to get done, but in most instances, it's okay if it waits. <laughs> you don't have to get it done right away all the time. So I try to make people understand that like if you have something come up and you need to cancel or if you miss accidentally because you got distracted, I'm not going to hold that against you. We can always reschedule and it's, it's okay. Cause it happens to me all the time. Like I get distracted by my kids all the time. And I'm just like, I have to reschedule this because my kid is going nuts right now. And he fell yeah. off of something and I need to take him to the <laughs> ER and make sure he's okay. So yeah. I just yeah. I try to give that. I like the way you describe that. And I think the, the best organizations that handle things like this are those that are built on trust. If you really trust your employees, you see the work that they're doing, the contribution that they're making every day. When an issue comes up, there should be the freedom to handle and the trust to know that uh, they're going to come back and everything's going to be back to normal when the, the, the time is appropriate. So really yeah. like the way you describe that. Well, and if they need to take time off for those emergencies, I've, I've seen this all the time myself, they come back and they work extra hard. Like, yeah. they'll be like, okay, you allowed me to do this. You didn't penalize me in any way. You didn't take a vacation day for me. You understood. And they actually stayed extra hours to get what they missed done because their employer gave them that flexibility. So I think if you just pay it forward, more people will start paying it forward back to you. But not everyone will agree with me and that's, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, but no, you, I... you just brought up something that made me think about a, a challenge in manufacturing, which is, could be, I'm kind of going on a limb here, that it's a traditionally masculine industry and not just in terms of who's there, but of the, um, the values and sort of the culture around it. And part of that is like a work ethic that places work above all else. That's how you demonstrate your value and your worth. And that at this point, because what you're describing is a modern work ethic, which is like, I am a human people and mm -hmm. making that transition for manufacturing is going be really important and valuable if we're going to attract younger people, women, more diversity into manufacturing. And that's a huge change because, again, there's a lot of vulnerability in, um, you know, letting people know that you, you've you got other stuff yeah. going on, right? And yeah. I think 
earlier on, um, I was talking with Lori. She was she had was talking about what she wanted to bring up with you, and talk about other organizations that are doing a good job. What was that, Lori? That you were you were going to ask <laughs> Megan? Jumping in at my territory here. No, no, no! no I'm getting the baton. Here's the baton. Yeah, thank you. No, she was no. setting you up. She yeah, was setting thank you. Up. No, um, and I love this topic. You know, diversity, equity, inclusion. It's definitely something that's critical across the board. It's not just in manufacturing, but all businesses. And even there's data out there that says the organizations that are um, have strong D- DEI programs are actually the most profitable organizations as well. And um, early on, you shared an example with uh, about a company who's not doing a good job of that. You know that they're forward, front facing acting like it, but then behind closed doors saying something completely different. And I'm, we all know actions speak louder than words. So I'm just curious, what are some of the best examples that you've witnessed in the manufacturing space where organizations are actually taking the right actions to create a positive culture around DEI? So one example, I'm going to call the company out right now. Uh, iAutomation is in the automation space, hence their name. Uh, But I I actually am interviewing Nana Young, who is the founder of a nonprofit called Get Girls Going. And it's a nonprofit that helps Black teen girls uh, gain the leadership skills necessary to be an entrepreneur. And it's a cross sector. So it's not uh, just engineering and manufacturing. It's all markets. And I think it's really great that you know, I was able to connect with her because I automation. So I do some work for I automation. They were talking to me about Mavens and Manufacturing, and they're like, "Do you need any more guests? Because we have some really great women that we could recommend to your show." And Nana was one of those women. Uh, they had an employee of um, I don't know how many years ago, but they had an employee who was working with them who knew Nana on a personal basis. And that employee came to them and said, look, she's trying to get this nonprofit off the ground. Can we help her? And they actually partnered with this nonprofit and gave her some legroom in terms of promotional and marketing materials. And they actually donated to her organization and they're helping her get her feet off the ground, which I think is phenomenal. Um, And I've heard other companies do that as well, too. There's a, a machine maintenance company called Augury, who I interviewed, um, or Tim is his name, and we were talking about some of the the community things that they help support. So with their employees, if they're part of some nonprofit organization outside of work, they try to learn about those organizations, and then they themselves try to get involved, whether it's providing sponsorship, donations, funding, or even people to participate in some of the events that they're doing. So like for some of the cancer Uh, groups that are out there, they either do like 5k runs or walks, or they do like food drives and stuff to help raise money for cancer research. They try to get involved with that. And I think showing that you care about other people's interests, Mm -hmm. and then help supporting that in some way um, is really helpful in showing your surrounding communities that you're willing to do these opportunities to help grow other individuals in a positive way. And uh, those were the two companies that that I thought of right away. Uh, there's other companies. Uh, one individual, Andrew Crow, he is actually a CNC machining instructor in St. Louis, and he's doing this American Manufacturing Renaissance Tour. And he is basically targeting students in urban city areas who might not know what modern manufacturing is or might not even have the, the funding to have those classes in those communities. So it's really great to see him get out there and companies like Mastercam sponsoring such an event um, because without that funding, he wouldn't be able to, to go from city to city like he's doing to do that. So, so events like that, if you're in manufacturing and you know the backstory of it, providing sponsorship is a huge way to, to support DEI efforts. And um, I'm trying to do more of that as Maven. So, um, being a startup company myself, I don't have a lot of like funds yet to sponsor things like that, but I try to volunteer my time. So with Andrew, I'm trying to help uh, promote it as much as I can. I try to connect them with individuals that I think would add to the tour. 
Um, I'm going to be reaching out to different cities that I'm near. So I'm near Chicago, Milwaukee, and St. Louis. I'm going to reach out to my connections there and connect them with him. And then I'm going to look for sponsorships and stuff for him because I think what he's doing is really important. Um, and it's going to take a village and we all need to be proactive. So if any companies out there listening and you know of events like that, that are targeting DEI efforts, you know, ask how you can help volunteer time if you don't want to invest money. Um, because again, time is just as valuable as money. And if you can, you know, donate a booth or set up a table or even uh, provide speakers, like someone who can talk about the technology you're, you're creating, uh, that that's just as beneficial, in my opinion. I love that. Getting yeah. involved is, is, that's actions, taking actions. And if you don't have yeah. the resource, the time and the financial support to give someone else the opportunity. I think that's a fantastic way to, again, still show that you're, you're committed and it's all about taking that action. So thank you. Yeah. There's a gentleman named Matt Goosey who uh, owns a machining shop Mm -hmm. and one of his quotes was put your boots to the ground. So I always use that now, like I'm putting my boots to the ground and I'm going to do what I can and ask questions and learn what I can. Um, One of the things that I'm doing is I'm actually working with my own community, uh, the high school that I graduated from. Um, I'm trying to to get a robotics team started there and then also get Andrew's tour to swing through the the city. So um, that's another thing that I'm working on right now, which I'm excited about. I hope it happens. Um, I don't know. I've never done a robotics team before, so I'm learning as I go with that. Uh, so it's, it's interesting. <laughs> well, calling out all resources to help make Megan with a robotics team. <laughs> yeah, <that'd laughs> might as well put it out. That'd to be the awesome. That's, that's what great. should I be doing and what shouldn't I be doing? <laughs> those would be two helpful things for me. <laughs> there you go. No, I, I think those are some really um, great messages for manufacturers, all the things you just shared and the boots to the ground. I think I had written down that you had quoted 2 million job openings in manufacturing by 2030. So definitely we have to be doing different things to attract uh, the diversity into the manufacturing workplace. So I think that's great advice. One of the questions I have uh, for you is around some of the interview interviews you've done recently, you've had conversations with the Rosies, um, which I think is mm-hmm. just amazing. Um, and those are the, the Rosie the Riveters from the American Rosie the Riveter Associ- Association. So I'll try to get all that right. Um, and for those of out there that might not know this, that was the name given to the women who helped and made an incredible difference during the war. So if you're looking for some really interesting conversations, you should uh, check out the, the Mavens of Manufacturing podcast. But the discussion that you had with Yvonne Fassold, and I hope I'm pronouncing her name right, mm-hmm. was just so good. Uh, you know, her emotions really came through in the conversation. There were quite a few times where she got quite emotional and you could really sense the passion and the pride that she had still today. Um, I'm wondering, can you tell us what you learned from speaking to these women? Um, So Yvonne is actually a rose bud. She's not a a riveter. Um, So she's uh, the daughter or granddaughter. So it was actually her her grandmother's friend that we talked to. Um, And I think the reason why she got so emotional is because back then when they did it, I they weren't aware of what sort of reaction it was going to cause. So they really opened up the opportunities for women to join the workforce. And it wasn't just in manufacturing and engineering, it's any workforce. Um, And it opened up, you know, other women's eyes and inspired them. Hey, this isn't typically something women would do, but I can do it. And I'm going to inspire other women to do it. So not only were they opening that door of opportunities, but they also set a, a fashion trend. Um, they, they set like a, just a standard of how working women could be. And I think that's important because not all of us are a certain way. Like some of us are a little rough around the edges and that's okay. Some of us like, you know, the, the dress up, like me, I don't wear a lot of dresses. Um, 
is something that I'm trying to do more of, but I mean, it, it's okay to be the woman that you are. And I think for a while, you know, women were supposed to be a certain way or act a certain way. And when that era sort of happened, it kind of went against of what the typical stereotype of women should be. It went against that. And it opened up the door for women to just be proud of who they are and express how they are. They didn't have to follow that stereotype, which I think is great. Um, Yvonne was just so amazing to talk to because she's so proud of her mom. Um, unfortunately, her mom passed away a while ago. She was a welder. Um, but when I talked to, um, I can't remember her name and I'm really upset that I can't remember her name. But uh, when I talked to the the person that she brought on and then there's another one that I, I brought Dolly on. Dolly Marshall? Was it Dolly, Dolly Marshall? Marshall, thank you. Yep. Um, wow, I need more coffee. Um, <laughs> when, she, when she was talking about them, she's very protective of them as well. And mm -hmm. she doesn't bring that to the forefront, but just how she's so passionate about everything that they did back then, you can tell that she's very protective of the Rosies. And I appreciated our conversation so much. And I think knowing that history is important for us to, to know and share, because I feel like that's going to inspire the next generation of women. Um, they need to know that, yes, it's still pretty much male dominated, but there is room for you. And there's women now, um, like myself, like all of you, who are trying to share the stories that are, that are today and get them out there in the forefront so that the next generation can see themselves in the sector and not hesitate to take part of it. Um, when I did an event back in October, um, there was 30 students, four of them were girls. I think they had six all together in, in the program, four showed up. They almost left because uh, the way that it actually unfolded uh, uh, most men came and signed up for the event. And I was just like, man, this is going to suck if there's girls involved because they're going to think, oh, there's not women in this sector. But one of the presenters actually brought on his wife and one of his female employees. And he's like, do you care if I do that? I'm like, no, please bring them because I was trying to get girls, but no, no one showed up. It was just all the guys that showed up. So he brought on his wife and one of his female employees and the four girls that were there before that presentation came on, they actually said, um, are there going to be any women talking here? Because if not, we're going to go. And I'm like, it's the next presentation. Can you please stick around for it? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. And they asked some really great questions for his wife and um, the other employee. They, they were like, you know, how does it feel to be a woman in this industry? Do you feel respected? Do you feel uncomfortable? why do you stay like they asked questions that they were feeling because when they're in the classes they're the only girls in the classes mm -hmm. so they they didn't think that it would be a career choice for them but now they're they're more comfortable with it and I feel like at least one of them will come <laughs> down the career pathway but uh yeah I just and for those that uh don't know Maven my branding is in tribute to the Rosies. Cause I feel like it's important to, to hold that at a high level um, because without those things that they did back then, I don't think we would have had those opportunities that we have today. They, they really set the standard and opened up the doors and they're great women to talk to. They actually have an event coming up in April. And unfortunately I'm not gonna be able to go. I'm really sad about it because uh, my daughter has a, a dance recital um, but I told Yvonne, I was like, I really want to connect with you guys. And, um, these women are a hundred years old. Um, I think the youngest is like 93. 93. So yeah. they're still going out and doing presentations and talking about what they're doing. That's how awesome. passionate they are about yeah. it. And it's just really admirable. And I, yeah. I look up to them. I, I want to give them all a big hug. Cause I feel like I never grew up with a grandma and I feel like they're kind of like my grandma in a way, because it's just, oh, that's they're just so exciting and a lot of fun to talk to. Yeah. But they, they were, they didn't know. They were just like, we were just doing what we thought was right to do because all of our guys had to go and fight a war. So yeah. we did what we thought was right for our country. And I would love to bring that sort of pride back to America because there's a lot of things going on that are dividing people. Mm -hmm. And 
if we can just get that pride back here, I think it would be a lot better. And yeah, so that's why I wanted to share those stories because they were very proud of what they did and it brought people together instead of dividing them. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's wonderful. And I, I can tell you, I was inspired to check them out. It can even take us into our next uh, uh, area of the show, which is we learned, you know, what have we learned? Um, because after listening to some of Megan's interviews, I was so inspired to go check out some rosy facts. Um, and I learned a few things I'd love to share, share with our audience. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. you know, the number of rosies, and again, this is on rosytheriveter.net, so everybody can find this as well that might be interested. But the number of rosies was over 6 million, and the number of ro uh, volunteer rosies was at least 10 million. Um, and some of the examples of items that they produced uh, and the few good men, that's what they call them, that worked <laughs> alongside them, they... Uh, they manufactured 297,000 airplanes, 102,000 tanks, 372,000 artillery pieces, 88,000 warships, um, over 44 billion rounds of small ammunition, and then 47 uh, million tons of artillery ammunition. So, I mean, these ladies were busy. <laughs> and uh, Megan's right, the pride that uh, if, if you go on the site and you just look at some of the stories and there's some uh, merchandise for sale as well. I've ordered one of the storybooks and I know, Megan, you referenced it in your conversations mm -hmm. as well. Um, just really inspiring. In fact, I wish I had known about this resource when I was in manufacturing, because I think it it would have been some representation for me that again, I've talked about uh, that, that was missing. So that's something that I've learned. Cool. Love I it. think it's just cool to like, I want to bring that to kids too. Like these women, like, look what they did and right. they're proud of it. And you could be that, you could be that inspiration to someone else too. If you decide to go down this path. Um, one of the women that I talked to, one of the Rosies that I talked to, uh, her job was to put, uh, I believe bombs in one of the planes. So they would tie a rope around her cause she was the oh. tiniest person there. Oh. They would tie a rope around her and then they would hoist her up oh. and she would put these bombs in the plane. And she's like, afterwards, I would have to go change my clothes and get a shower. Cause she's like, I had all this gunpowder and stuff all over oh. me so I didn't get she's like yeah but that's how they did it and she's like wow. I just got selected because I was the tiniest person there and I was like that makes sense like try hoisting up a, a large man versus her sure. and she's like I was very petite back she's like I'm still petite she's like but back then it was really helpful because they could just hoist, hoist me up and mm. that's what she did so it's just it's it's really cool to see and it, it sort of makes me sad in a way because, you know, a lot of them are getting to that age where they're not going to be around anymore and we're going to lose some of those stories. So the, the Rosie the Riveter Association, they're doing a really good job creating those books because they're trying to maintain that history. And then um, the Rosebuds like Yvonne, they're really advocating to, to keep telling these stories and bringing people together. So I really hope that I can meet some of them in person because I just, they're, they've been some of my favorite guests on, on the show and they are, they're just great. Um, and I get kind of emotional talking about it because they just, they didn't know they, at the time they didn't know until much later. And then they were like, yeah, we did that. We, we sure did that. And they sit more straight and get really yeah. excited about it. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, if you ever get a chance to meet them in person or there's an event, please call me because I, I want to be oh, there yeah. too. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'll send you the information. I think it's in April. I might have got it. I'm trying to remember when my daughter's dance recital is. It's April or June, but they're um, getting together in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yes, in June. June 10, 11, June, and 12. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So my daughter's dance recital is that weekend, and I... I emailed Yvonne and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I really want to come. And she's like, it's no problem. She's like, your daughter's dance competition is more important. And I'm like, well, yeah, it is. But 
I still want to meet all of you because what you're doing is important too. And I think they have the three days where they do different tours and presentations and stuff. And it would have been fun just to hang out with all of them. So yeah, if you can go there, I would suggest going there and then you can tell me about it. <laughs> all right, good. We'll put that on the calendar. Yeah. Very cool. Very all cool. All right, Lori or Aaron, what have you learned? I'll go. Um, I'm, I'm, I was thinking through this back and forth because I know this episode's going to air like a month after we record it, but I'm still really fascinated by this. Um, this very mysterious, interesting, fascinating human being, Elon Musk. Oh, um, yes. Wants to buy Twitter <laughs> for $43 oh billion. Dollars. He wants that. to have 100% ownership of it. And this is the part that's really fascinating. He's not interested from the money perspective. He's really focused on creating a platform, um, in his words, an inclusive arena for free speech. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of the social media channels right now have there's been a lot of talk about, you know, what's what you can and can't say and who's, you know, censorship, who's censoring your message and who's deciding what's what's um, allowed to be shared and what's not. So um, I just think it's really interesting that he's he would have to pull money out of his stock from Tesla in order to actually purchase um, Twitter. But I, I don't know when if this is a, a quick thing or if it's going to be a long um, stretched out thing, but that's my interesting thing that I learned this week. Mm. Is it true that he's buying it because they tried to censor him and he's like, I'll just buy. Is that true? That's I, what I, oh, I would imagine. That's part of it is, um, <laughs> I mean, but he's, he's got, who really knows what's going on in his head? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think, I think there's some pot stirring and, going on there there's yeah there's some motivations that sort of are uh not apparent to us is my guess oh sure yeah the, the well, whether most of his motivations aren't apparent to us yeah. but <laughs> that, that's what it is fascinating about him though I mean he's so public but he's also so private you know yeah. I, I just kind of keep tads on him because he is such a fascinating human being on a lot of different <laughs> levels and he's got bucos of money, but he's also extremely brilliant and intelligent and yeah. talented in a lot of areas too. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's kind of uh it's like something from the old times, you know, the robber barons and the big influentials that would sort of swing the course of history based on quirks and money. And mm -hmm. uh it's it's kind of it's fascinating. Definitely mm -hmm. produces a lot of conversation. And I fear how far I could go with this because I'm super interested in it too, but we don't mm -hmm. want to take this. Well, well, what did you learn, Aaron? What did you learn recently? Well, my son shared a fact with me and I just Google confirmed it. Not that I don't trust him, but he is eight. Uh, there are 500 species, over 500 species of sharks. Wow. On this oh. planet. Yes. I believe That's it. really cool. That is yeah. fascinating. Yeah. And to follow up on that, another factoid that I have about sharks is if you go, you can like, you can buy fossilized shark teeth for pennies. Uh, like if you go to a museum or whatever, you're like, why? That's they're like millions of years old. It's because sharks just shed their teeth. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like your pet sheds its hair, um, mm -hmm. which is so interesting. And then they become fossils. And so that's why we have so many of them. Sharks. So you, you know, I'm a scuba diver, right? I didn't know that. No. What? Oh, well, now, you know, fun fact about Lori. <laughs> so if you, if you do a shark dive where basically, dive. um, <clears throat> like they feed the sharks a you know, wow, and feed them, but you, you hang out below them, what? but their teeth are falling out because no. they're just, yeah. So oh then, then after they're done, you That's like crazy. dig through the sand and you can find shark teeth. No. Yeah. Wow. That is the coolest thing ever. That is cool. <laughs> you just won the coolest. Uh, I don't know. About yeah. Factoid sharing pot. <laughs> yes. Wow. I, there's a lot to process right now. <laughs> falling like teeth. how how do i get to that point and who do i need to talk to to get me under some sharks so i can feed them that's amazing get, to get, certi totally get certified to become a scuba diver 
That's awesome. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. So cool. I love it. Huh. Um, what about you, Megan? Any tidbits? I mean, you know a lot. Um, so I was thinking about this since you uh, told me this was going to be one of your questions. And um, I'm actually struggling with this, um, but I'm, I'm learning to let things be. Um, I, I'm somewhat of a control freak, especially when it comes to my family. So uh, the, here's some backstory. So I got pregnant when I was 19. Um, at 20, I moved back to Wisconsin. Uh, my daughter's father signed over his rights when she was two. The last time he actually saw her in person, she was six months old. So uh, a lot of things happened between then and now. And uh, she actually came to me not too long ago and asked if she could meet her dad. And I was like, uh, sure. Because <laughs> um, I didn't want to be that that mom that was like, no, you can't do it. And through the years, I've always tried to like not have anything negative. Like I've always tried to be respectable of him um, and try not to talk negative about him to her, um, which was really uh, a difficult thing to do. Um, but over the years, I did forgive him and like tried to do the best I could with her um, as a single mom. Um, and then my husband came in and uh, kind of stepped up to that that role. But um, recently, we did meet him. Um, and initially she thought she was going to hate him. Like, she was like, I don't know if I want a relationship with him. No, I don't want a relationship with him. And she's kind of going back and forth. And I really, uh, learned how to be neutral, um, from a place of hurt, which mm -hmm. was really important. Um, I think in this situation, um, because it was 18 years that went by and I'm, I'm hoping that people can change within that amount of time. So I told her, I said, I don't think you should go into this meeting with such hurtful energy or anger or hate. Um, I think you should keep an open mind, hear what he has to say. And then if you feel comfortable, take it from there. Um, so we met and it actually went really well. Uh, it kind of surprised me how well it went. And uh, we're now slowly but surely uh, developing that relationship. And I'm slowly but surely trying to like inch further and further back so that they can have that. Mm -hmm. um, because even though like I've raised her uh, with some help with my family and my husband over the 18 years, um, I think it's still important for her to, to have that one-on-one -on -one time with him and also give him that chance to, to prove himself to her. So it's been really a, role, a big roller coaster for me, but I think it's important um, when you need to move forward to not hold on to things that might have caused like hurt or anger in your heart. Um, and I think that's important in business relationships as well too. Because um, I see a lot of things happen in personal lives and business lives where if you hold on to, to negativity, it can really affect how successful you are and everything else. So wow. I'm learning to, yeah. to let things go and be a neutral party. <laughs> oh, wow. well, we can all learn from that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's it got great. real deep. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Oh, that's, yeah. uh, that's, that's what matters. That's, that's what, right. That's, that's what counts. And I yeah. love what you shared about, I mean, all your relationships, not, not, carrying around bitterness and then you know you miss opportunities and you hurt others so um yeah i think as we're as we're on this mission to diversify manufacturing and to just to grow the industry it's important to you know there's some things in the past that we need to we need to let go of so i think that's yeah. a wonderful well, lesson thank you yeah especially with all the dei efforts i mean i've it, for some reason, it can be a really uncomfortable conversation with some people. And I'm just, why? Like, I don't know why personally, but um, I feel like if we can uh, confront those uncomfortable situations um, in a good way, then we can move forward. And I think that's awesome. Um, totally so awesome. I'm a big fan of getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Yay. She's living it. It's great. Nice. <laughs> it's great. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
Well, thank you. I think this uh, brings us to the end. I, you know, Megan Zimba, am I saying it correctly? Zimba. Zimba, you're close. Um, My dad (laughs) says Zimba. I don't know why he's the only one in our family, but uh, to help people out, I say, think of uh, Lion King, uh, Simba with a Z. Ah, there you go. Uh, Zimba. Okay. Yeah, Zimba. So how do people reach out to you if they want to get a hold of you? Um, I'm mostly on LinkedIn all the time. So if you want to direct message me on LinkedIn, feel free. I would love to connect with you. So, uh, either connect with me, follow me, um, whatever you like to do. Um, and also you can reach me at mavensofmanufacturing.com or at Megan at Z-Inksolutions.com. Wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the contribution to our show. It was a great discussion today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. I like these conversations. (laughs) Yeah, great conversation. Thanks, Megan. Bye. This wraps up today's broadcast. If you're looking to shake up the status quo at your organization or just want to connect with these broads, visit mfgbroadcast.com. Contact Lori Hybe for your strategic digital marketing initiatives. Contact Chris Harrington for OEM and aftermarket digital solutions. And contact Aaron Courtney for web-based solutions for your complex business problems. We've got a great offer specifically for our listeners. You can find more information about the offers and your hosts at mfgbroadcasts.com.